Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' series, a month-long event celebrating the authors and narrators that bring romance stories to life. Listen along as Viviana, Enchantress of Books, interviews your favorite writers and voices, share special guest posts, and stay tuned for some special information at the conclusion of the episode. Hi everyone, today I have the pleasure of chatting with guest narrator John Hartley. Welcome back to Audiobook Lovin', John. How are you? I'm very, very well, Viviana. It's a real pleasure to be back. Thanks for inviting me back. I know it's been about a whole year, so we have a lot of stuff to catch up on, yeah. which is going to be fun. Lots happened. Yes. But for those that are new to the Audiobook Loving family, John has been here, as I said, uh, last year, around the same time frame for last year's series for June, aka Audiobook Month. And so I will be including the link to that uh, episode so you guys can all catch up where we talked about and discuss things like the process, your favorite accents, routines, etc. So today we're literally just going to be hanging out and catching up on all things John. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love it. Yes. With that said, though, because I am kind to my listeners, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been narrating and how you became a narrator real quick? You bet. Just to catch everyone up. So I've yep. been a narrator for about 11, 10, 11 years. Um, so coming on, yes, because I did it straight after I left drama school back in 2011. So we're now 2021, so about 10 years. Um, I love it. It's one of my favorite things. And I just really love how much the industry is growing. Um, I think it was quite niche originally. And, you know, people mm -hmm. just, you know, it was quite hard to just carry a pack of CDs or cassettes around. <laughs> um, but now it's with Audible, with all the different apps, it's the easiest thing to do. Um, and I love the romance genre, really, I love it. And, uh, you know, there are so many different worlds, so many different characters, so many different styles that I've really had the honor and pleasure of narrating during my, uh, my career as a, as a romance narrator, that it's, it's really wonderful. And I just see the industry getting better and better and better. And, you know, audiences getting more and more discerning, really building up the kind of things that they like, but also, you know, branching out and trying different genres or different mm -hmm. um, different worlds. It's a it's a real thrill to see how things are how things are moving forward. And Viviana, you're right at the heart of it. I love how <laughs> you're really pushing the industry forward. It's really special. Oh, thank you. I just love the community and the industry so much that it's one of those. How can you not share it? Mm. You know. Um, and you guys are always great, and the authors are fantastic, and the listeners. It's just a lovely community, but thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, you've been narrating for quite some time now. Um, what aspects of the audiobook community has surprised you the most? The loyalty, you know, because often in other forms of entertainment, people will flip between one style of TV show or one network or one film genre or whatever. But really, the loyal fan base for romance audiobooks mm -hmm. is really, really impressive. Just how much they care and there's a sense of ownership i think that you know the the listeners have as much input into the industry as the narrators and you know even as the the authors i mean the authors are really the kind of the creators and without them then there wouldn't be an industry but there's a really lovely partnership between the writers the narrators and the listeners just how we each feed each other and learn from each other and build each other up and respond to each other. That's, mm -hmm. that's surprising. I think on TV, on film, you know, it's a little bit one directional from the producers 
and then this is what you can watch on TV. Um, I think it's changing a little bit with more audience feedback on social media or algorithms or whatever. But from the get-go, I think that, you know, especially for romance audiobooks, there's been such a lot of emphasis put on what listeners want and like and respond to. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really beautiful to see. Important. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a community that feeds off each other in a positive mm -hmm. way. Yeah, oh, yes, exactly. Because mm -hmm. I think you're right. With some social media, there can be elements of toxicity for, mm -hmm. especially like online specific um, communities, whether it's stuff on Reddit or 4chan, you know, people can just be for no reason cruel to each other in a way that they would never do in real life, but mm -hmm. they somehow feel that there's a bit of a veil with uh, the internet. But I feel, you know, I don't spend a ton of time, you know, online on, you know, Reddit forums for, for audiobooks. But from what I gather, it's just love. That's just, you know, lifting each other up, saying, oh, you should check out this guy. Oh, my God, you know, this, this narrator is fantastic. I hear this new audiobook by so-and-so is coming out. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, just pure positivity. Like, never, ugh, I didn't like that guy. Or, oh, my God, you know, it's, you never get that. Um, you know, they'll be honest with their feedback, but it's all positive. Yeah, no, we've uh, tried to harvest a way to provide reviews in a way that is still providing the critique where if there's a lack of consistency on something mm. or if there is um, poor character development, stuff like that, where it doesn't come across as an attack. It's just literally like, for me, it would have been X, Y, Z better, you know? And it's just, I think this is one of the rare communities that still does that. And even when we don't like a book for a particular reason, whether it's the trope or the genre, we have friends that do <laughs> mm -hmm. and we will turn around and say listen this had okay it doesn't happen to me but in other i've heard this has too much sex so i think you're gonna like it um <laughs> or it has too many bad words so you're gonna you know and so even those type of reviews sell books yeah so, yeah sure it's, it's a great but it's community. never kind of trying to break people down it's always constructive criticism we, we all yeah i think with anything there's always a bad apple here and there, um, but those situations are so far and few in between and not as loud as the positivity. Yeah, so that's always a good thing um, because I also don't want to paint it that we're all this perfect kind of you know community to that. We have our, our bad eggs and our bad mm -hmm. apples, but uh, for the majority, point, the majority of the times, it is a really great community that strives to be positive and supportive across all different genres, regardless of uh, you know, the tropes um, and all that stuff. And regardless of what people may or may like, like, so that's always complaining. Because it would be so easy to like judge, you mm -hmm. know, oh, this is a bad genre. Oh my God, what a weird, you know, that stuff is so negative, but I don't think any of that comes in. You know, we all have our own personal tastes and preferences, mm -hmm. um, but it's, I don't, at least as far as I can tell, there's not a ton of judgment that goes on. You know, mm -hmm. you're bad because you like this or, you know, you're weird because you like that. It's, yeah, yeah. it's all um, respectful, which is mm -hmm. what it's all about. Yeah. And I think also, too, it's it's the, the romance itself has become this entity, a community where you get to discover new things. And so that judgment is not there because we're all in some form of discovery. Whether so we like a kink, whether we like a type of genre where we figured out who I actually like to bake, I might be able to make a career out of this, you know, and, and stuff like that. Um, 
but even with oneself images and stuff like that. So it's, it's very helpful. And that's, I think, because that's the type of community that we're trying to condone and embrace and rise up that everybody's in the same field. So that's, oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Cause that is, I didn't think about that, but that element of discovery mm-hmm. to realize I didn't know I was into this particular thing. Mm-hmm. That's really a special thing that you might happen across this, um, you know, subgenre or whatever, mm-hmm. and then think, wow, okay, God, I, I didn't know that I wanted this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be really fulfilling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's anything from there's some books that include some recipes or travel, and the, the authors do a phenomenal job with describing stuff and the idea of going to a new place or trying a new meal or a new wine or beer. Um, but also things like having the the conversations with your partner to potentially have some extracurricular activities during some yeah. fun times. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Because why not? You why know, not? why limit yourself just because of uh, you know what you've been told? I think mm-hmm. that's awesome to explore, develop. Yeah, lots of fun. Um, and then, the, of course, you know, your book friends are like, so how'd that go? And you're going, mm. you and fine, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The wine was lovely. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. That's what we're talking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> With all this stuff as, and the, the different types of characters and the genres and stuff like that, from those that you have portrayed, what has been your favorite type of character to play? So I've been doing this series recently called the Accidental Peers series um, by Diana Quincy. And there's about five books so far. There are a couple of things that I really like about it. And a a lot of series have this as well. It's cool when each book comes at the story from a different perspective. That's so interesting to me when, you know, you tell the same story, but from this one's from the perspective of one brother. Then this is the perspective of his wife. And then this is the perspective of that's because I think we all in life, um, you know, can experience the same thing in completely different ways. Um, The time period is also cool. It's set in Regency England with, you know, all the, you know, the lavish ballrooms and the nervous bridegrooms (laughs) and the steamy bedrooms. And uh, that cool, that vibe is is really, really fun. Um, And... Yeah, you know, I just think that's um, that series has been really cool. And then I did a, a wrist. Yeah, I think to, I like the historical ones, whether it's, uh, you know, the Scottish Highlands um, or, uh, you know, Regency England or, you know, kind of colonial America or something. Mm-hmm. Um, those historical things are cool because it's a real world that the authors can really do their research and bring to life. But then also introduce, you know, the kind of fantasy um, imaginative elements that are really, really absorbing. Those are really fun. Too. And then different accents, different English accents, different European accents, American. It's just I love it when there's a ton of range of, of different mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. And you have a phenomenal range where I know that we did a little bit of that um, last year and I was going, mm. crap, his American is really good. Thanks. <laughs> nice. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And you've actually been doing a lot more historical because that's something too that you had said last year that you wanted to do more that you just hadn't been cast. And now look, a year later, you have a bunch of historical and I know a couple more that are popping in. Yes, exactly. Ah, yes. Thanks to you, Viviana, (laughs) you know, getting the word out there. Um, Yeah, the historical ones are just cool. You know, I was a history major in college and it's 
what's interesting, one of the things I like is we always have a sense that something that happened in the past was inevitable. Like it had to happen. There was no other way that history could have happened except the way that we read about in the textbooks. But something, sometimes just a little, a little bit of luck or a chance occurrence or something really random happening can turn the tide of history. And it's interesting in historical fiction when you get a sense of, wow, things could have been really different if this guy hadn't met that woman or, you know, that ship had arrived tomorrow, the next day, rather than a day early. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff's really, really cool. It just gets, gets you thinking, my gosh, what if, uh, you know, it gets you thinking about now as well. You know, what if I hadn't met this person when I was, um, you know, walking down the street? Or what happens if I hadn't met that person walking down the street? Um, I like that sense of, you know, possibility and mm-hmm. infinity. Yeah. Is there, a, from a character perspective, do you like to play, like, I know some of you guys like to do more like the bad guy um, or the alpha or the guy next door too? Then do you have a preference for some of those types of characters? Well, look, probably <laughs> every actor says they'll love the bad guy. And it's true. I love the bad guy. Um, you know, in romance, it's not so... Because, you know, if you're a bad guy in a romance thing, you know, you're kind of generally really dislikable. Um, so, but they are interesting. Um, they're just so interesting to play. Um, and then in terms of, you know, I'm not particularly... My voice is generally from what I hear from casting directors or from audiences, or whatever, tends more towards the leading man type thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm not you know, I only play the leading men, the alpha types. Like, I'm not really, that doesn't really interest me. Because um, sometimes those, you know, in the industry, they're sometimes called the thankless lead, um, where they don't really go on a big journey. They're there just to carry the story forward while all these other interesting people do interesting things around them. Um, so sometimes, you know, the the main alpha lead guy is not the most interesting character in the book or the TV show or the film. Um so I just love them all, you know, and it's what, what interests me more than anything is the journey a character goes on, finding that arc so that he starts somewhere at the beginning and something happens and seeing how he or she responds to, to all these events and these people and then comes out the other side. That journey is, is really what motivates me as an actor. Um, and it's with, with audiobooks, absolutely the same. And I'm lucky that the books that I read, every single one is just has a really cool arc like that. Um, and the characters undergo some kind of development and change. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. One other thing, you know, because sometimes these alpha guys, I think we sometimes think of them as almost invincible. Um, like in, you can't change them, like resistant to change or something. But sometimes those are the best ones where they have this really tough exterior, but then they keep going, keep going, keep trying to fight and something, but then they have to accept some part of themselves or, um, you know, accept something in someone else. And then they undergo some change for the better. That's, that's really interesting. That's really beautiful. That struggle and no, I'm not going to change. And then all of a sudden they realize that they have to change in order to move forward. That's, uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And even in romance, we have those kinds of characters that are the hard asses and the, the lead or the, you know, the motorcycle guys or even the billionaires that are mm. considered to be cold hearted. 
except to that one person, (laughs) the heroine. And we even now have a lot more anti-heroes, which are technically the bad guy, or they do things a little, you know, mafia. Uh, (laughs) And they will kill anybody that comes anywhere near you. (laughs) So so we probably wouldn't really root for them in real life, but hey, in the books, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, well, look, that's what this is all about. Just, you know, taking break from reality, just enjoying something and getting refreshed by it. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So now that you've done all these books and all these years of narrating, um, I had a friend, Brittany, who had a great question. I was like, oh, that really is really good. It's uh, She says, if you're cur- uh, they're curious, if you have found a difference between how British authors portray British heroes compared to American authors that write the British heroes. Oh, my God, Brittany. <laughs> Brittany basically crushed it with that question. Mm-hmm. Um, what a great question, Brittany. I, yes, for sure. I'm sure that that's the case. Um, I think you're just going to have a much more nuanced, probably balanced um, understanding of British men if you're from Great Britain. Whereas if you're American, even if you visited Great Britain or you have English friends, um, just the way we're portrayed in the media is just romantic and charming and Hugh Grant-esque. And, you know, that's not reality mm-hmm. um look that's not the reason we shouldn't listen to audiobooks audiobooks are, are about the the fantasy um so i'm not saying that's that's a bad thing but um but actually that said diana quincy really did she's american and she did really wonderful work purely portraying very english society in a very nuanced niche aspect of English society. Um, so she is obviously very, very clever, really did her research because the thing she was able to do as well is really grasp the language of how Brits, native Brits speak. Because sometimes, you know, if you haven't really got it in your ear or you haven't spent a lot of time in England, um, the nuances of how, of how we chat with each other, um, the words we use, the phrasing, the speed, the rhythm is a little bit hard to get. Um, so look, so it's, it's absolutely entirely possible and frequently happens that these great authors are able to really create an authentic, uh, create authentic English characters. I mean, like, I don't know about English men cause I don't really, uh, cause I'm an English man. So I don't really know how to <laughs> answer that, you know, cause I don't really look at other English men and think, oh, you know, well, he's like, he's like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd be really, really interested to hear what, what Brittany thinks about that. Because mm-hmm. um, she obviously, you know, she, I bet <laughs> she's got some thoughts and some ideas. Because, uh, you know, that's a, such an interesting question. Yeah. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, when because romance tends to be a fantasy, a lot of people will write about things that they may not have experienced, like, you know, of jumping off an airplane. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. But when it comes down to some of these characters, they will do research on you know, the locations, well, some, and even the kind of accent, if it's a British accent, well, where in London, you know, is it a London, is it a Cockney, this and that. But when it comes down to some of these characters, I think part of it too, is that we have this, like you said, we have this fantasy of what a British man is, mm. you know? And so it was always, it, that's, that question was something I'm like, well, that is, you know, a good question because we all have different ideas what we think of when we think British guy but also from a knowledge perspective. But at the same time, I don't think that we can always tell if the author is British or not. No, <laughs> so. I think that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true that, 
these books are so well written that mm -hmm. quite often you can't tell. I've never really been able to, I'm trying to think. I've, I've never had the experience of reading an audiobook and thinking that's nonsense. No one would ever say that. Mm -hmm. um, I've had it in other media, film and TV or something where you're like, oh, that doesn't ring true, but I can't really say anything. Um, <laughs> but uh, not in audiobooks. Mm -hmm. It must just be because they care so much that mm -hmm. they really spend a lot of time and pride making sure that it's authentic and, and accurate. Because mm -hmm. the worst, the last thing a, uh, an author or a narrator wants is for the audience to think, wait, hold on, I don't buy this. And then take them out of the story. That's, that's the worst thing you can have. Um, so narrators and... Uh, and authors in particular really make an effort to make sure that it's as authentic as possible and just sounds really believable. Yeah. So now, Brittany, you're going to have to get with John on, on yeah. your Instagram or Twitter and just have that chit chat conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear what she, I'd love to hear what Brittany thinks. Yeah. I bet, I bet she, I bet she has her own thoughts. Uh huh. Um, I bet she, yeah. I'd be very interested to hear. Very interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Which do you prefer, multicast audio, a duet, or solo, and why? I love the solo um, just because I like to be in the limelight. Uh, I'm joking. Um, but I, I, the thing about the, the solo ones is that you just get to do everyone. Um, you know, so you just have complete freedom just to, just to create the world, obviously alongside the author and what he or she's written. Um, I really like the, uh, the solo ones. The, the, duets by the duet you mean where i'm going to be reading all the male lines and then if there's a female co-narrator she'll be reading all the female lines is that right at the same time yeah like a regular almost like a play situation yeah yeah, yeah like movie, a radio yeah. play mm -hmm. i've only done one of those and look it's good because that's much more in the world of like film tv you know theater acting where you you have a scene and you're responding to each other so that's much more in that world um, and I've entered one of those, and I think it went well, I think it was cool. Um, but, and then the kind of co-narrating one where you're like the dual narrating one, because mm -hmm. I work with a lot of actresses over and over like Stella Bloom. And those are, those are really nice. Cause you start to get a sense of, of what their voice is going to be. Um, and I think it's probably really interesting to hear again, the different perspectives, so if there's one chapter from a man's perspective, then one chapter from a woman's perspective on exactly the same interaction, that's really, really cool. So that's really effective. But overall, yeah, I think the solo ones, I like the solo ones the best. <laughs> yeah, well, you get the whole shebang, I guess. From yeah, that exactly. The other ones, you're only getting half the story. I know. You know? And, and you like... read, I always read their chapters as well. Yeah. Um, just to get a sense of, because that can really impact how you're going to characterize another character if they express themselves and their thoughts in a certain way. Um, that's always going to really, really change how you interpret a character is their inner thoughts and their response to certain situations. So yeah, even if I'm not narrating that specific chapter, I'll definitely read it just to get a sense of what he or she is undergoing and how they're responding to certain things. Um, also, just because the authors put so much time and effort into, you know, writing it, um, it's not there for no reason. They do it because it 
really impacts on the st story. So the best way to tell the story in the fullest way is to get everybody's perspective. Um, that reminds, I, I don't know if some narrators just read their own chapters, but it's a little bit like film and TV actors who are just waiting to say their line. So you often hear in drama school, you just don't want to be the kind of actor who's just like, my line, my line, my line, blah, 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 blah. My line, my line, my line. You know, it's, you want to have everything working together um, and bouncing off each other. Yeah. Not just, you know, not just, but then I did say I do like the solo ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, from an acting perspective, I think you have utter control on how everything is done when you're the only one narrating it. For sure. And, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's something that a lot of creatives have that sense of need of control um, yeah. just to fulfill it, plus that whole vision and of what it would be like and things like that. You mentioned narrating with like Stella Bloom and, and, and learning their cadence and stuff like that. When you do the dual narration, have you been keeping that in mind more now that you've done more of these types of books when it comes down to um, voicing the female characters when you've already have an idea of what the female narrator cadence is? You know, I think what's interesting is that because they're all such good actresses, the ones that I um, co-narrate with, mm -hmm. I, I have, I really have a sense that they'll be picking up on the same things that I'm picking up on when they're creating their character. So the source material is the same. Um, but then beyond that, in terms of their, you know, their specific characterization, you know, the, the pitch and the, the mode of their voice, um, I really, really pay attention to. And we're often exchanging samples as well. So before we start recording, I'll send, um, say, Stella, a, a version of my lead character and some of the, you know, his father and then, you know, his best friend. Um, just so she has a sense of how to differentiate them because what you don't want is obviously the best friend to sound in my thing, you know, very kind of slow and high pitched and, you know, dumb or something. And then she happens to make him, you know, really fast pitched and very intelligent and kind of villainous or something. That's just going to be confusing to listen to. Um, and same with her, you know, when I listen to her characterizations to get a sense of pitch, of rhythm, of accent, for example. Um, so we'll trade off and exchange samples uh, before we start recording. Um, but yeah, I really do think the more you work with a co-narrator, the more you get a sense of I think I know what they might do with this. Um, and then when you receive the sample, you're like, yes, that's, I, that's, I, that's exactly what I would have done. I think that choice is, is spot on. You just really, uh, it's, but it's very collaborative. Whatever happens, you're just making sure that the whole thing works as a whole together. I think it's important for the listener's perspective too, because we, when we're reading a book, we can always flip back a page to figure out who is talking mm -hmm. <laughs> in an audio. That's a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah, you just don't want to have the, you just don't want to have any guesswork. Yeah. You don't want to have you think, wait, who is this guy? Mm -hmm. um, wait, I thought that they were like 60. Now they sound like they're 20. Um, yeah, you want to avoid that. Uh, keep everyone just immersed in the, immersed in the story. Of course, yep. So what motivates you to work so hard? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think above all pride, you know, not pride in one of the seven deadly sins, but I just take such pride in what I do. 
Um, and I just care so much about what I do that I just can't bear the idea of it not being the very best that I can do. Because um, look, honestly, I bet I, you can get away with some stuff, you know, a little bit of phoning it in here and there or not really focusing or just, oh, I don't think I'm going to read this book really closely. I'll just skim it and, you know, whatever, just kind of. And then it's just never going to be as good as if you put in the work and sit down and even after a long day, you just put in an hour just to make sure that you've really got the best work ready to record. Um, I just, yeah, I just can't even bring myself to to imagine doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, then, of course, you know, people are paying money. You know, if I go to a restaurant and I'm paying $40 for a meal or something and it comes out and it's bad, that's just going to boil my blood because I've worked hard for that money. And, you know, someone spending $20 on an audiobook, $30, or they've got their monthly subscription with Audible. And it's like, you know, pretty second-rate novel. That's, that would make me livid. Um, you know, why? So I would never um, want someone to waste their money on something that I've, uh, I've done. Um, and then, you know, just, just, just giving respect to what the author's created because they've put their time their money their effort their tears their sweat their everything into creating this book from nothing um and what a disrespectful thing and if an actor then just thought oh whatever you know it's just just a paycheck um what a horrible thing so yeah i I would you know in everything i do i could never bring myself to to half-ass it otherwise why why even bother yeah yeah similar I'm like I don't ever half-ass anything (laughs) it's not in me (laughs) yeah I just I just don't really understand that and it's ultimately it's self-defeating anyway because people are eventually going to cotton on and think well I mean I think we'll move on to a different actor Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but mostly it's just I can't bear that something sub look who knows maybe people don't like my work um but you know the all I can do is just do the very best job that I can do and, you know, just just people know that, you know, the John Hartley title is, is you know, I've just given 100 percent to it. Um, yeah, and am I? Yeah, that's and, that's all we can really do. Yeah. And that's important from a listener's perspective, too, that we can tell that it wasn't being phoned in, oh <laughs> as God. we like to say. <laughs> yeah. So oh, how, how, how horrible. <sighs> yeah. You know, sometimes it happens, you know, sure. but that's also where we speed the thing up or move on to the next book so yeah. <laughs> it is but annoying if you to spend 25 dollars on it then. yeah i know that's where the review comes in or the conversation mm. with, the, with the author and says so about casting your next book <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah let's not work with this one again sure. <laughs> so it happens so michelle um submitted a couple of questions because michelle the start is also a huge fan of yours oh, and <laughs> She wants to see it. She says, if you weren't a narrator, what would you be doing? Oh, wow. Interesting. Well, if I weren't an actor in general, mm-hmm. um, I might well be a lawyer or something. But I wouldn't want to be, but I'd be a lawyer back in the UK because there are two types of lawyer in the UK. You have what they call a solicitor, which is the person in the office just doing the paperwork and writing the briefs and all the rest of it. 
and then you have a barrister and the barristers are the ones that you see on TV with the wigs and the gowns and the ones making the argument in court. Mm -hmm. And that's all they do is stand up and, uh, and argue and try to convince the judge and jury. And that would be amazing. I wouldn't want to be a guy just reviewing contracts or something mm -hmm. um, or making sure that, you know, business deal is, you know, has the I's dotted and the T's crossed. So I don't know, I might do that. That's really interesting because I haven't really thought about what else I would do, what else I might have done for a long time. Um, you know, it's really interesting. I'm really blessed with the fact that from the earliest I can remember, I knew I had to be an actor because that can really direct you and channel you. Um, and just, you do other stuff, but it's all working towards becoming an actor. Whereas a lot of my friends from college, they're doing well, they're perfectly successful, but it's almost random what they fell into. Um, whether it's an industry like law or, um, you know, some aspect of finance, or whatever. You know, it's it, they could be doing that or they could be doing something completely different. Um, you know, it's uh, so I'm really, really lucky that just from the early stages, I've known I've wanted to be an actor and really been drawn to it. So to answer your question, Michelle, I'm not sure I can genuinely imagine doing something other than acting. You know, I was a my side hustle for a long time was I worked as a tutor, like a private tutor. So I would help kids back in Europe apply to college in America, mm -hmm. which is because I did that same path myself. And the, the application process is, is pretty different in important ways. So that was and that was really fulfilling, helping young people achieve their best academically. So, you know, teaching, tutoring, that is something that I've done beside acting that I really, really got a huge amount of fulfillment and gratification from. So there we go. Yeah, yeah I remember you saying that you had um, gotten your degree in history. And mm -hmm. I, I thought, I'm like, well, probably like a professor is what I would have imagined that something that you would have yeah. probably done to do with that. Maybe like an Indiana Jones archaeologist. No, oh, that would be fine. With the duster <laughs> and the bullwhip and dashing around Egypt. Mm-hmm. I love it. Except that right now we probably will be telling you don't open anything. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Leave everything where it is. Walk away. <laughs> yep, yep. Take a photograph if you want. Mm -hmm. And then just leave it be. Exactly. You know, x-ray it from the above. Do not touch it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Oh, goodness. She also asks, um, when growing up, did you read books? And if so, what was your favorite? Oh, I was such a bookworm. I don't know if we have that term in America, but we have bookworm in America, right? Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, and my sister would always say, you were always such a bookworm. You always had your nose in a book. And so I really loved reading. And I mean, I still do love reading. Um, but that was really an important part of my childhood, reading. We have different books for children in the UK so Enid Blyton is like a well-known children author from, she, I think she was writing like a hundred years ago, but she has these series that are really popular in the UK called The Famous Five and The Secret Seven. And there are all these young boys and girls who go on these adventures and stop people from smuggling gold and doing all this cool stuff. And I just really remember being swept up in all those books and just devouring them in a single sitting. Um, yeah, reading was a really important part of my childhood. And I've really continued to do it. I think it's a valuable thing for, for, for students in general. I think the way it builds your vocabulary, the way it builds your imagination, um, the way it helps you learn to write really well, because you can just basically steal what other writers do and just start using it yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and then just being able to think and imagine worlds outside of your own. I think that just has really valuable skills uh, for all of life. Putting yourself in other people's perspectives, in other people's shoes, being able to think, wow, I would not have reacted in that situation the way that lead character reacted. How would I have reacted? And then going off on going off on that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reading's um yeah, central to my uh to my childhood. I don't think I ever thought I'd be reading for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, because what a dream job to be able to first of all read the book by yourself and then bring it to life for other people by doing all the voices and things. Um, I never thought I'd be doing that. But one of my favorite things growing up was, I think with most kids, having my parents or my grandfather read to me growing up um, and doing, you know, they're doing voices as well. I think probably looking back, their voices were, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, here and there, you know, not necessarily, uh, you know, you're not hearing them on audible. Um, but uh, yeah, that's one of the most enjoyable things, hearing someone read you a story. Yeah. I was going to ask you if uh, if you had um, your family or relatives um, read you the books and if they did the voices, because I think there's also those two types of readers where oh. they'll be the one that just reads you the story and you can tell that there's maybe somebody else talking versus the, 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 the narrative. But there's also some people that are just really get into it and they're doing and they're, you know, jumping around too and doing the swashbuckling. <laughs> I know. I'm lucky. My parents were that one. You know, they weren't jumping around because they, I guess they wanted my sister and me to fall asleep. True. Um, but nevertheless, they, and I think if they didn't want to do the voices, I think my sister and I would be like, do the voice, do, do the voice. And uh, then they'd have to bring in the, you know, the wise old wizard or the, kind of plucky young heroine um because i think that's yeah mm-hmm. kids are really really interesting in that way and that there i think with kids sometimes and i remember this for myself the boundary between reality and fantasy is a little bit blurred sometimes um that's when you can just see a kid just you know just imagining that they're a pirate and i think honestly they believe in that moment that they're a pirate um or really really could be and i think that's that's such a lovely thing. And I think sometimes adults can lose that because we have responsibilities and we have to devote time to other things. Um, and I think reading can help bring that back just a little bit. Um, reading by yourself, reading to your kids or having someone read to you. See, with kids, it's the possibility. They could be the pirate or they could be the astronauts. Us as adults are going, well, you know, there's no showers in the in the boats and people could get lost. And what about food? And you start coming up with all these scenarios. And how do I use the bathroom on a spaceship? Uh, no, 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 no. Exactly. No, yeah, like, really? I mean, how about the oxygen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're just thinking it's like swimming, but with no water. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. it's a, There's a perk to being that age and the, the sense of innocence. You know, it's uh, it's something that I, I cherish when I see the little kids running around and stuff like that. I can't help but almost play along with them. They're like, what are we doing? Like, oh, we're pirates. All right, then there we go. Oh. Um, and, and there's no book. <laughs> and they slip into it instantly. You know, yes. they'll be one time just chatting, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you know, can I get this ice cream? And then the next second, they are a race car driver. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah. you know, as an actor, that's really lovely to see because it's just the imagination firing. The same thing with the audiobooks when we have you guys uh, tell us the stories and in one book you're the billionaire and the next book now you're the rake and it's like mm. okay cool it's very 
you know, universal from just the topics are a little different. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every time I, it's such an exciting thing. Every time you open a new audiobook, to think, what is this world? Mm-hmm. What are we looking at now? Who is this guy? It's really exciting when you uh, when you get sent a new audiobook. You'll maybe get a synopsis ahead of time. This is the world, and these are the two lead characters. And but it's only when you get the book and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get into this. Let me see what this is about. You get it with an audition for a for a film and TV thing, just to think, who is this guy? What's he about? What's his what's his life story? How did he come to where he is right now? Um, it's really a thrilling thing to be able to to dive into the unknown like that. So even after 11 years, because I know some people are like, eh, it's probably used to it. So after all these time of you already years narrating, do you still get excited when you get those auditions or when someone says, hey, you've been recommended for this part? You know, well, specifically with this film and TV auditions, I didn't used to like it. I used to get really nervous and stressed. So it's actually a fairly new thing that I'd now get excited from audition. Um, but for, for audiobooks, I think probably a similar thing because when I first started out, I was just, I would just get very nervous and think, oh my gosh, I really want to do a good job. And sometimes that can bring in a bit of tightness um, or a little bit of, you know, sometimes if you're really stressing about, if I'm really stressing about something, it can block the flow a little bit. Um, But the more experienced you get, the more ease you find with it. And so now I'm probably as, I enjoy opening a new audiobook as much now as I ever have, probably more so, just because I am much more at ease with with what I do. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, to get that new audiobook is uh, it's, it's like opening a Christmas present. It's thinking, <laughs> what is this? I have no idea what the surprise is going to be. Um, and then you go on a journey, and sometimes mm-hmm. they're so moving. You know, at the end, you know, just to listen to the world that you've been able to create with an author, and you know, it's great that you, it's really special to create it for an audience, but also just go through that journey yourself. Uh, I'm going through myself as I'm, I'm narrating and uh, it's, that's, yeah, it's a real joy, a real blessing. Val is a wonderful artist and a huge bookworm, as we like to call them. Nice. Yes. And she had a, a couple of questions that, um, cause she loves your voice as she said, um, I cannot believe I've been missing out on him and I'm going, you're welcome. Uh, Have Val your star. Thank you. <laughs> um, Val asks, Americans get so swoony on British accents, and yet Europeans get to swoon on American accents. She was asking, when you are on your in your own country, do you practice the American accents and kind of have fun with it? <laughs> mm. You know, I don't really... To be honest, in the U.S., I generally walk around and talk in my in my U.S. accent, just because it makes things a little bit. Everyone's going to understand you. You know, you're not going to have anything lost in translation. Um, you know, it's a funny thing as well. You know, you're not likely to be. I've been in America for 18, 19 years, a long time, and I feel as American as I do British in many ways, even though I sound still very British because I've literally spent half my life there, half my life here. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to, you know, walk around, talk, talk as an American every so often, you know, it's or at least code switch or switch between. Um, so, but I don't really do that when I'm back home. Um, you know, 
probably for the same reason. It's just nice to just get in the flow of things and be part of, you know, part of a whole. Um, I, it's always been interesting to me why Americans love British accents so much, because um, it's it's not unknown that that's the case. And uh, you know, I'll tell you this: in New York, it doesn't really make much difference. I think partly because there are just a lot of foreigners in New York anyway. Um, so oh, it's just another accent, whatever. Um, so when you get Brits who turn up to New York expecting the girls to be falling all over them, and then the girls are just like, dude, whatever, you're, you're British, it's no big deal. Um, just relax. Uh, the guys are like, oh, but, 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 but I'm British, you know, and then it's just awkward and you're just like, please stop, please stop. Um, but, uh, for, um, for the rest of the country, yeah, I, you know, if I had to guess, I would say it's because Brits, maybe they have the reputation of being a little bit more reserved or something. And with that reserve comes a little bit of mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's the fact that they are associated with a sense of, you know, history and, um, you know, castles and palaces and, you know, old buildings and things. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> maybe it's i don't know it's just weird yeah well we think. i think we all like different accents from what we're used to like we for when, sure when we hear the cowboy or the the you know, the, the southern savannah georgia accents yes. and things yeah. like that or or i'm not even gonna try the boston accents because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no uh scotland yard i think that's the only thing i can do oh that's pretty good <laughs> i like it wow <laughs> Yeah, well, I still I still say ka, for, you know, been there one time many, many years ago, and I, that's the one thing it stuck. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go to the ka. ka. <laughs> I like it. That's, that's, I think that's one of the hardest ones to do, and they are so protective about yes. the Boston accent. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can nail it, then they're, then they're blown away. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think their favorite game, people from Boston, is, no, that's not a, a Boston accent. I can't even do it. Wow, people mm-hmm. yell at me. I hope Val's not from Boston. no. <laughs> No, but it, again, it just goes back to it's different than what yeah. we're used to. And it's there is this elegance, too, especially when it comes down to the British. I mean, when you were telling me about the different types of lawyers, mm. I mean, even those sounds very fancy, you know, and yeah, like yeah, different yes. and like, ooh, like we're like, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I know. They're, they're like, well, I'm a barrister. Yeah, see? <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I, I really don't know. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's just those little things, and you're like, "Ooh, really? Do tell me more." You know, versus, "Oh, you're a lawyer. Okay, great. Is it yeah, family yeah. or law? What? You know?" Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. When you have thirty minutes of free time, mm. how do you pass that time? Whoa, what a good question. Um, you know, I'll talk to my family. Um, you give them a call, but just completely free time to do it by myself. You know, I'm. Oh, this is going to sound very funny, but I'm just a fan of YouTube. You know, if you just go down a YouTube rabbit hole, they send they have such funny things there. Like, what was I watching the other day? Just these. Ra- I'm not all about internet culture and like memes and 4chan and stuff, but it is so funny when you do cotton on to a specific meme and you just see it repeat itself, and you know people riff on it. Um, those are really funny. I watch uh, soccer highlights. You know, I haven't really got much time to watch a whole game. Um, but I watch soccer highlights on YouTube. Um, half an hour to myself. Yeah, just half an hour to kill. Ah, look, just put in a pot of coffee, 
um, sit with some YouTube and just uh, just enjoy. Not not very interesting. I feel like I should come up with something more, you know, more interesting. Like I'm uh I'm coming up with my uh I'm working on my degree for uh for astrophysics because I you know I want to start a career as an astronaut as well. <laughs> no. No. Coffee I, and YouTube. I, yeah. Well, I think also finding thirty minutes of free time. <laughs> sure. Sure. And then not feeling guilty about it. I know that's you the know. other thing. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're, you know, doing the books and the acting and all that other stuff, you're going, ah. So, so you said YouTube. So you have mm. yet to discover TikTok, then, huh? I have not signed up for TikTok. I mean, my friends, we all send each other TikTok <laughs> uh, little samples, and some of them are unbelievably creative mm-hmm. um, and so well done. It's just like it seems like vines i'm sure you know they were yes, big five years ago videos, yep. but they were so short and you had it would make you even more creative but tiktoks you know they're like a good that's a good amount where you can actually have like a proper beginning middle and ends to something mm-hmm. um you know some of the dances are really uh <laughs> really mind-blowing um and it's funny because you'll see you know everyone doing it from huge movie stars to just uh you know just like just just random people and uh yeah it's really really it's really cool but i'm not on it and i'm not um you know creating videos that i i bet you that some of the best ones do not get churned out I, there is a lot of work i think that goes into creating a really slick TikTok. oh my god i am very tech savvy i am mm. the girl that figures stuff out before even it gets to be you know trendy and stuff like yeah, that just yeah. ahead of all and i am not touching that thing with the 10 foot pole <laughs> i i'm able to upload videos and i create them using other softwares and mm. do it to 60 and upload it but those transitions and some of the stuff like i'm going it's 60 seconds worth of a video and you're spending five or 10 hours doing the one thing for the <sighs> 60 seconds and i'm going yeah. i don't not have time for that I know. You know, I got to talk to you guys, listen to audiobooks, no way. (laughs) Absolutely, no. I think that's why it tends to be kind of college students and, you know, people who are still studying. Because, you know, I think they have a little bit more time than people who are trying to pay a mortgage, pay rent, you know. Well, there's this whole battle about, like, uh, Generation X and boomers and millennials and Gen Zs are all in there saying, you know, get off my app, like, get off my lawn. Um, (laughs) That's hilarious. That makes total sense. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it's just, you know, hilarious from that. There's just so many things. But there's, similar to the romance genre, there's something for everybody on that, on those apps. And um, learned a lot of different things from cleaning tricks to um, how to keep a plant alive. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Two other things that we're not going to talk about now. Um, <laughs> I, I like it. But there's also a lot of narrators and authors that have joined. So there's like book talk. And mm. there's been a lot of authors that have been, you know, just having conversations and about their books. But the narrators have been really fun on there. And uh, I'll send you That's some of those cool. so you can check it out. Um, I had no idea that they so they'll just narrate a little sample and then put it up. Well, yeah, they'll do. Um, even there was one uh, from Victoria May that was like she messed up on something and she couldn't say it the right way. Mm. She just turned on the video and she's like, "I'm for the past ten minutes, I've been trying to say this one fucking word." <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, I mean, Kelsey Navarro did um, a four episode, you know, four TikTok episode of. So you want to be a narrator series. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, you know, out, you know, outtakes, those that have the live capacity have done live readings, but, nice. um, it's just a way to connect again. Absolutely. In a different way and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, but I'll send you those so you can check those out. Cause those are perfect. funny, perfect. Nice yeah, especially when they bust out with those, um, almost like a meme, but an audio meme, Yeah. you know, like yeah, you're exactly. strong and you can do whatever you want, but remember your back is not strong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a Victoria May. Yes, you don't have to throw people under the bus. Be the bus. Oh, um, <laughs> that's pretty. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like you should be on a mug or like a t t shirt. I know. I was like, ooh, Victoria, I like you. I like you before, but I like you more now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like something Yoda would say. That's like some wisdom. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of the wisdom, have you ever had something happen to you that you thought was bad, but it turned out to be the best thing for you? Ah, hmm. oh, man, I think that's probably part of life is that, uh, you know, yeah, something at the time is really uh, tough to go through, but eventually, as they say, makes you stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I think there's, I'm sure there's a lot to be said in that. I wouldn't say I'm the type of guy, because I think some actors, maybe some people in general, kind of look and like aim for the struggle, um, you know, or the suffering. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's not me. You know, I, I think it's important to stay positive. But of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of anything specific right now. Um, but I think that's part of life is, you know, something that didn't go according to plan or something that unexpectedly happened that was really troubling at the time, problematic, um, even traumatic. That absolutely can, can in, in hindsight, think, wow, that really transformed me for the better. And I uh, came out the other side of it, having learned a huge amount. Would I want to go through it again? No. no. But, uh, <laughs> but am I grateful that it happened? Yes. I've absolutely had that experience. Yeah, for mm. sure. I think we all have. But even yeah. I think with even you guys as narrators, this whole thing that we're currently still going through, uh, mm. like the home studios, a lot of you guys didn't have them before. Complete one. I absolutely, I did not have one. No. And, you were setting uh, yours up the last time we talked. That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> I think that was one of the first things I did after setting up my home studio was have a have a lovely chat with you. Mm -hmm. um, that's been, yeah, transformational. Um, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. how you react to certain things is, uh, is an important thing. And I really find uh, for my own life, you know, just gratitude for things. So that even if things are rough or tough, there is always things to be grateful for at least in my experience. Um, so to, to focus on those, um, I find really, really valuable. So in your in the books that you narrate, um, the characters all have different careers, uh, rock star CEOs, though some of them are even outlaws or athletes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you can become one of your characters, which lifestyle would you mm. like to lead and why? It's mm -hmm. another vowel question there. I know, well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, well, I do know what my answer is, but I just think they're not going to like it. Um, just like to, to be a billionaire. Wouldn't it be nice to just be a billionaire? And then you could just do whatever you wanted. You know, you could help the world. Mm -hmm. um, Lots you know, you of things have... you can do that are positive with being a billionaire. So. Absolutely. And uh, I think that would be pretty nice. I think as, yeah, I think that would just mm -hmm. give you the freedom to really contribute without having to worry about how you're going to pay rent that month. Or, um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else 
So I've I did a series recently, the Chaos Novella. Um, oh, Ashley, uh, Kristen Ashley. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, I did that with Stella Bloom. Yes. And um, we've done two so far: Wildfire and Wild Wind. And those guys are so badass. It's about a, mo a motorcycle club, an MC in Denver, Colorado, and they're amazing. They, you know, they're probably like the alpha of the alpha type dudes. Um, but I don't know if I'd, I don't think I'd really want that lifestyle for myself. You know, it's cool to dip into it for the, uh, for the book, but, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, what I haven't read yet is mm. an audiobook. And actually, here's getting a little bit meta. I think this would be a really cool audiobook. If there was an audiobook about an audiobook narrator, <laughs> like a romance audiobook about a romance audiobook narrator. You know, how funny would that be? Because that would be, you know, and then maybe he falls in love or meets one of his favorite listeners. And uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they meet at the conference and, uh, you know, they stay in touch. I mean, I would, what's more immersive than that for the narrator and for the listener? I know. I, no, I haven't read one like that yet. No, we've we've had conversations with that. We're like, that would be so cool. Uh, we've said it's uh, that it would be neat for... Um, the narrators to have be a character and then also have it be where maybe they fall in love with the listener. Um, yeah. There's also been another one that I've been helping in where we're just chit-chatting and, you know, hanging out and talking. And we're like, well, it'd be kind of cool if they were two narrators that just like that friend, like enemy to lovers oh, kind of on. thing. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. I just need an author to write it. I'll come up with the idea. Oh, I'll give you promises. <laughs> That's amazing. That should be it. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> oh my god yeah I love it that's hilarious it would be uh, fun yeah. it would be interesting there is um, Kels, um, Kaylee Loring just finished writing a, her book just came out and it's um, they're both hero and heroine are writers in different genres mm. and part of the book is the book that they're writing and so they got other narrators to read these parts and it was hilarious uh, especially wow. when one of them was reading so the narrator the character is reading his parts and all of a sudden it gets to a scene and the character's like are you fucking kidding me this <laughs> is what you're writing me to do well, what is wrong with you this is not something i would do <laughs> that's hilarious. hilarious yeah that's yeah. clever i like yeah. that She's isn't it nice author. though when there's like humor and different things in a romance you know and drama mm -hmm. um as well as the romance that's really really clever yeah, Kayla uh, Loring. If you have not ever um, read any of her stuff, it's uh, she does a lot of comedy, rom coms, yeah, yeah. and things like that. And I think that's a genre that it's very much attainable in some cases because we all have those moments where we're going, "Oh, that was kind of embarrassing." <laughs> Anywhere else, though, it would be hilarious if it wasn't happening uh -huh. to you. <laughs> what happened to you? That's probably the nature of comedy in some ways. Yes. Yeah. So um, I did one recently called Mister Wright. Mm -hmm. um, but it's called Mr. W-R-I-T-E. Yeah. And it's about this writer who, you know, goes on a journey. And I just had a sense that some of, because at one point he's having writer's block. And I just had a thought, I wonder if the person writing this has, uh, you know, worked some of their own experiences into this. I mean, it was a really beautiful book and really, really well written. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure every writer has had writer's block at some point. Um so I think there was a little bit of, you know, meta going on there. It was cool. Yeah, well, it's definitely a conversation too that the, the readers and the listeners have asked the authors. So about that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
how much research did you really do? Uh-huh. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Always trying not to pry at the same time. But there's some crazy stuff, you know, and they're like, no, I just kind of thought it'd be fun for the author, you know, for the the alpha guy to do that and throw a punch in the bar. And I'm like, well, okay, never been there, done that, but sure. Um, cool. I'll read we'll it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's a fun question for you. If you could have any animal as a pet, what would it be and why? Wow. I, you know, I'm animal. so, I would love, <laughs> or just realistically speaking, I would love to have a dog. Um, but they just, you know, they're so, you know, you can't just get a dog, just get a dog. No. Um, it requires so much care and responsibility and um, to kind of, you sometimes see people who leave their pets at home for 10, 12 hours and it's just not really fair for the dog. Um, I think cats are a lot more independent. You can just let them out and, you know, I think you're basically staying at their house. With the yes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I do really, really want to have a dog at some point. Mm-hmm. Um Ooh, but like outside of, uh, outside of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think it'd be fair to have like anything huge, like a lion or a tiger, although that would be amazing. Um, I wouldn't really go the insect route, although some people love tarantulas and, you know, and I don't think I'd go the snake route either. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a bird might be interesting, you know, some people who can, you know, take their, you know, their hawks and, you know, get them to do, you know, different things or get, you know, do falconing or something. Um, I, the thing about, I, I, you know, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to stick with dog. Cause the thing about dogs is that from what I understand, they've basically evolved with humans um, so that their eyes have evolved to look more like humans eyes. <laughs> so we'll just identify with them more. Um, so I think, yeah, to, uh, you know, and I'm sure I will eventually get a dog. I just think that's, they're just, that's another thing I'll watch on YouTube is I'll just <laughs> watch, you know, clips of, first of all, people just upload videos of their dogs, just doing the funniest things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I recently came across this, like just 24 hour live webcam of a bunch of Labrador puppies. Aww. I know, I know. <laughs> um, <Puppies>. I know. <laughs> or, uh, you know, just when you can look at um, different videos done by different breeders. So they'll mm-hmm. tell you about all the specific breeds. Like this is what a Doberman is like. This is what a French Bulldog is like. This is what a, uh, you know, Pitbull is like. I just love it. Um, mm-hmm. One of my friends went to, oh, what do they call it? Like the Westminster Dog, do they call it Westminster Dog Trials? Um, yeah, we ha- we we there people. That's one of the awards shows for the pup for dogs that they yeah, like yeah, pageants yeah. and stuff like that for the dogs. Oh my god, it's amazing, and like the dogs love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're so they're just you know prime physical, mental everything. Um, yeah, it's beautiful to see like a dog who is you know a loving life is just gorgeous to see. Yeah, um, happy but, doggy you know, is cute. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. So I think that's honestly what I go for. What kind of dog? You know, I'm not mm. sure. Um, I really love Weimaraners, mm-hmm. gray ones um, with like the piercing eyes. Yeah, they're so intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandparents had uh, Dalmatians when I was growing up, um, and they're really intelligent but extremely hyperactive. If you don't take them for long walks, yeah. Um, I think Dobermans are like the most beautiful dogs. Um, 
what else uh they all yeah. have their 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 thing you know that, yeah that are all make them cute and stuff like that like i i know that anytime i see a puppy i'm like stop it you're doing this on purpose i'm not <sighs> taking you home uh because they're cute on purpose and and when you get them and they still have that puppy breath you're like no. oh my god and that's so how fun. i got the last one <laughs> oh, do you have a puppy no oh well he's now a year old but um oh i got him or it was around september of last year and going to get dog food for my other dogs and they're yeah, doing yeah, a yeah. puppy thingy and there was a, a litter of them it was with him and his siblings and mm. they were all rescued from puerto rico but oh you know when you're in a if you're in a bad mood puppies always make you feel better even if you're in a <sighs> good mood puppies make you just better completely so i had to go check them out how many do you have how many dogs do you have i have five five is <laughs> wow good you've got you've got a uh you've got a pack i have a pack yeah definitely a pack and they're Gosh. interesting good but that puppy he he got me good all he did really? was put his two front paws right up on my lips and then he oh. kissed me no yes <laughs> and i'm like son of a bitch there's nothing i can do no, i have I to take you home i do yes <laughs> and now he looks at me and he goes yeah you did <laughs> that's gorgeous he knew what he was doing oh yes it. it's like got her <laughs> wow yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, the closest I have to a pet right now is is YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. But one day. One day. Well, you know, I think it's it's great to want to have them, but it's mm -hmm. like you said, it's a huge responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are just as expensive, if not more expensive, than having a kid. I can imagine. Fully. Yeah. I mean, when one of them breaks their knee and has to get surgery for three thousand dollars plus on. almost four thousand, yeah, that was me last summer with Mocha. Um, oh my and then don't jump on the couch becomes a constant uh, thing with her um, now. Okay. Yeah, so it's is a, that how she broke her knee was getting on and off the couch. No, she's a pit mixed with a great hound i think just because of the body structure that she has mm. and she loves to run and mm. i think it's just one of those as they get older they forget that they're not puppies like we do you <laughs> sure. know like we hurt ourselves because we're yeah we can do this no no we can't no. <laughs> 10 years ago maybe but not now um and it's just it, it happens and it's just one of those things now you have to keep an eye out and like with anything it's just constant care and if they sneeze like i said it's like having kids and mm. the diets and stuff and it's expensive and you recording is another thing i mean i do oh, this podcast yeah. thing every you know a couple of weeks on here um when i have to do the series it's significantly more often but at least once or twice a week you're doing it significantly for longer periods of time and i'm mm. going you will not bark i don't care who's in front of my lawn <laughs> mm -hmm. yes yeah. no completely that's good that's another consideration by the way i think someone should write an audiobook about <laughs> like a dog breeder uh -huh. or a dog walker mm -hmm. there should be more dogs i think there are a few out there yeah there's a few i know there's a couple of hallmark movies that has that concept for the holidays yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> you know the dog the dogs get all rampled together and that's how the two meet because their leashes oh, are tied up course. together you know oh my god it's like a lady in the trap moment there <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah so if you could live anywhere in the world with no issues as far as finance. So you can just pick anywhere to live. Where would it be and why? Really, I'm living where the literally the only place I'd want to live right now is New York. Huh. And I just think it's the best place. Um, I grew up in central London. So some people really need nature to be able to go to the mountains or go to the ocean or go to for hikes in the countryside. 
that that honestly it sounds weird and my friends who have had that lifestyle don't really understand it but i really don't need to be in nature like i love it and it's really nice to go and um walk walk by the river mm-hmm. um but for me like walking alongside hudson river in new york city is mm-hmm. is like getting into nature and uh <laughs> and my friends are like sci-fi uh, nature sometimes but okay sure i know <laughs> And you've got like huge high rises on one side. You're walking on concrete, mm-hmm. um, but I'm like, but there's but there's water. That's mm-hmm. can you see the nature? That's water. Mm-hmm. Um, Central Park, you know, yeah. yeah. And actually, you can get into because it does get really quiet if you go into like this area called the Ramble. Like it can just all the traffic sound disappears, and sometimes it's just you, and it does get nice and quiet. Um, I mean, like that said, it's not the mountains of Colorado or something. Um, but yeah, honestly, like I love New York so much and I love the people here and just the, uh, I'm trying to think if there is anywhere that I'd rather live, like not Los Angeles, like, no, thank you. But, uh, um, you know, it'd be really nice to have, to have place somewhere outside of LA, uh, outside of New York that I could just go and, um, hang out. Like, so my friend used to live in Idaho in mm-hmm. the mountains and that's unbelievably beautiful. Um, and the, I've never, probably never smelled air as fresh as that. And, you know, in the summer you can go hiking, in the winter you can go skiing, snowshoeing. Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to live there. I wouldn't want to live there permanently. Yeah. Or even somewhere like Fiji, you know, with the beach. <laughs> um, no just, Italy, no Sevilla, nothing like that. <laughs> no, I think, I honestly good though i'm in new york yeah and i'm how look how amazing is that that i'm able to live in the place that the only place i'd really want to live yes that's a that's, blessing that is a blessing that is totally a blessing and i think yeah. that um it's nice when that happens yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah no i'm i'm, uh, I'm grateful yeah oh, i love it here that's good though because that's where you are <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um if you could be any disney character any disney character who would it be and why that's a good question that's a really, really good question. Was that mm-hmm. is, is one of the, one of our listener questions? Yes, it is. Yeah, so um, I've uh, it's been um, asked once or twice by the same listener, and it's one of those like I, I told her I'm like I'm gonna keep it because yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's it's a lot of insights at the same time. <laughs> I know. I know. Let me think. Disney characters. Um, I'll make a confession. I didn't even really watch a huge amount of Disney growing up. Um, it wasn't like a big thing in my house. But I would say, let's go with, I don't know, the person who just popped into my head was the Beast, Beauty and the Beast. Uh huh. Um, what do I like about the Beast? You know, it's... I can see it. I think that, you know, it's like a really, because he was, from what I remember, like a really handsome prince. Mm-hmm. And then he falls foul of a curse, right, from a from a witch or something and then and, ends up... yeah an enchantress for being vain and not helping her out because of her looks okay oh yeah 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 yeah. um and then he ends up coming around and you know gets trans after going through a journey gets transformed back into a prince mm-hmm. um yeah i think i think that's a nice journey um yeah let's go with the beast got it <laughs> i'm just trying to find my beauty <laughs> One day, you know, like the song saying, the beauty will come. <laughs> By the way, the music in, I, you know, I listen to classical music a lot mm-hmm. and they played the theme from 
uh, like an orchestral version of the theme from The Little Mermaid the other day yeah. on the radio. Every single one, they're so extraordinarily beautiful. Yes. So many of those classic Disney songs. Even the ones now, you know, like uh, I was tutoring these two girls like a couple of years ago and they just were so into Frozen. It was the only thing that they, Frozen and then, um, what's the other one? The uh, Moana? No, it's, it's not even a Disney one. It's with the um, the little yellow guys. Oh, Minions. Minions, like those two things. That's all they wanted to watch. Um, but the music from Frozen is is like mm-hmm. extraordinary, like really like beautiful. So yeah, that Disney music is uh, yeah gorgeous yeah. to listen to. I have the the opening theme music on my phone as my uh, ringtone for from Beauty and the Beast, the symphony oh. version of it. Oh, gorgeous! Yeah, it's it is gorgeous. It's one of yeah. those things. Speaking of music, though, what song do you have to sing along with when you hear it? Okay, uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Well, of course, the British national anthem, because I'm very, very, very proud Brit. Um, but other than that, let's say, um, there's a there's an aria from the opera Tosca, um, called "E Lucevan Estelle," and it's one of my favorite pieces of music and i'm not a singer anymore i was when i was young a boy um but not now and that's really a, a gorgeous thing and the best version is by pavarotti mm-hmm. um and that's another thing i'll watch on youtube is just different arias and uh you know pavarotti highlights mm. um there's uh there's another singer who's really really lovely right now um a German tenor, and I can't remember his name. Um, but yeah, that's so. That's 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 what I'll go for. We'll go with okay. that. With that. That. So aria. we're never gonna really find you, you know, singing at the supermarket. Uh, and you have the fun new music's out there. <laughs> you know, the only time I really listen to kind of like new music is in the gym, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, but it does get you fired up for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, to to get your workout on, but no, I'm just not. Honest, because it fires me up too much because the beats are so powerful and um and energizing you know if you're walking down the street it's hard to for me it's i'm focusing so much on the music that you know i don't want to bump into someone or uh you know take a wrong turning but uh yeah just um that's it yeah i'm yeah really just into classical music and stuff yeah well you know some places will play that so now i'm envisioning that but happening where you're all of a sudden the music pops and you're going oh that's my jam and it's (laughs) (laughs) viviana you just nailed my accent oh my goodness i'm like worried for my job now no no (laughs) no i can never do that job i love narrating as as in what you guys do but mm -mm, i am not that girl (laughs) (laughs) well you're a great interviewer yeah, thank you. Speaking of interviews and stuff like that, um, what is your favorite word? Whoa, my favorite word mm-hmm. is, you know, let's say mixture. Because I used to, growing up, I used to love what we call in England uh, pick and mix, mm-hmm. which is this candy. Is it the same thing here where it's just like bulk candy in those kind of bins that you get the shovel? The little shovel and you just like pour like a ton of candy into your bag and you just have 
you know, some gummies and then you get some like chocolate raisins yeah. and then you get some chocolate pretzels and mm-hmm. um, the mixed kind. Yeah. Oh my God. That, and we used to call that pick and mix. And that was literally my addiction pretty much growing up. <laughs> and, uh, and then, so that's part of it, but then also mixture like what's, what's nicer than, you know, having like a, you know, a mix, like a mixture of different musical genres or a, you know, mixture of different audiobook genres. Or, uh, yeah, just to have you know, a bit of variety yeah. is, uh, is gorgeous. Yeah. And it's also where we go back to the whole thing with the accents, where you go mixture. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going, yeah. you mean mixture? Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, yes. You know, it's a bit of variety. I'm like, oh, there he goes again. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the yellow pages or the white pages to start reading. Um. You, know, you know, speaking of TikTok, though, there's this new TikTok my friend sent me yesterday of mm-hmm. this english guy who just it's so funny he just says these are the different words we pronounce in an english accent and in america and then he just says you know stuff like schedule mm-hmm. and then he just like does a wink at the camera and then he says tomato and then just <laughs> you know, does a like cheeky grin and just goes on for about five minutes just doing yes and we're going <sighs> <laughs> repeat Yes, tomato. rewind, tomato. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's it's again, it's part of that um, allure and mm-hmm. part of the fantasy, but also it's just it sounds it just sounds different and sophisticated and yeah. So we always go goo goo gaga over it. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? My favorite curse word. By the way, this is a question from. Did you ever used to watch Inside the Actors Studio? I do. Yes, hence where I got it from. I love that. Oh, come on, love that's that one show. of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, have you ever seen the Will Ferrell impressions of the of uh, <laughs> yes, James Lipton? I have. <laughs> oh my goodness, he nails it. He did. Um, <laughs> I just love how, first of all, all the actors are just so happy to be on there because I sometimes think movie stars. Are a little bit reluctant to do interviews and things yeah um but they're all whether they're like robert de niro or um hugh grant or um you know jodie foster like mm-hmm. all these guys are just giving 100 percent, so keen to share everything about what they do is amazing um my favorite curse word is uh i think we're just gonna have to go with fuck it's just so expressive, you know, mm-hmm. it can be um, an exclamation of shock mm-hmm. or joy or terror or like literally probably every human emotion can be yeah. expressed flawlessly through mm-hmm. that one word. Um, <laughs> yes, we'll go with fuck. <laughs> fuck. I love yes, it. I know. Now I'm going to get asked a bunch of times can i get that audio clip of him saying that word <laughs> uh, i'm like it. you know what we could we could raise some money for charity <laughs> nice 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 what if i just did a tiktok of british swear words oh gosh that would be you know go viral come it, totally it'll be all of a sudden within minutes you'll have a million followers uh, um, nice yes again it's just the all of it the intonations the accents the the mm. way that it's just said and even like when you were saying the fact that of being cheeky you yes. know like yes 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 like yes he was being cheeky oh, funny <laughs> mm-hmm. we have gone into the point of where we get to play a game oh, of two truths and a lie mm-hmm. yeah where we have you guys tell us three things about yourselves which as the title says two are true and which one's a, and one's a lie but we have to figure out which one the lie is 
So um, if whenever you're ready, let us know what those three things are and then I'll try to get a guess. Okay. Well, good luck because these are are pretty (laughs) good. Um, All right. Number one, I swam across the English Channel between Dover and Calais a few years ago. That's number one. Number two, I was a private tutor for the children for um, for the former president of France. Um, number three, I uh, oh yes, yeah, so I now used to date a daughter um, of a of an NFL Hall of Famer. Do you like how I did those, by the way? Because I made them seem as though I was like was not sure. Yes. Um, so <laughs> throw you off. See, that was that was pretty clever. Yes, exactly. No, no, very good. And um, the first one, very British of you. Um, thanks, thanks. Yes, yes, yes. Like, of course he had to swim the English Channel. Of course he had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the private tutor. Mm-hmm. Um, my goodness. Ah, fuck. These are good. This is where I wish the listeners would be able to come in and we can connect on which one of what they thought yes. would be a lie. Like live stream a, uh, mm-hmm. like a, a chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I call a friend? Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so we've the, got swam the English channel. channel. We've got dated the daughter of an NFL hall of famer. And we've got private tutor to the children of the former French president. Mm-hmm. And considering that you have tutored before that's a pot these are all possibilities mm. so those are always usually the best to do mm. versus outstanding ones oh my god i want to say swam the english channel was a lie from that specificness that you were saying oh between. wow well done yeah <laughs> i see i thought that was the most plausible of them <laughs> wow it- you're pretty good lie detector thank you <laughs> See, I would have thought that that would be like, oh, yeah, you know, you, you hear about people singing in the show. It's not that. Mm-hmm. It's not that. But the other two, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Thanks. Yeah. Well, again, is it possible that you were a tutor? Of course, you've done it before. And, you know, it's different, too, when it comes down to, I think, the, and when it comes down to be living in Europe versus here in the States, there's a difference in the titles and even sometimes those relationships within mm-hmm. people that are in the government or, you know, more famous i guess than here so mm-hmm. that's possible and dating the nfl yeah that's possible for you british accent nice. i didn't date the <laughs> nfl i didn't date the nfl player no but the daughter you know? yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. not some not some 60 uh, year old guy no 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 i mean no that would not no no, be good. no. <laughs> but uh but yeah wow well i'm have to say i'm impressed oh, cool thank you i didn't i didn't think you'd get it honestly but you uh you cut right through, my gosh. I think the, the FBI should hire you. <laughs> well, you know, research for the podcast and uh, yeah. and uh, reading people. It's a, it's a gift. Impressive. Because sometimes, but a gift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very good. John, before we go, can you tell us a little bit what's going on that you're currently working on that you can share or what's coming out next? You bet. So I'm actually really excited about both these things. There's a new book by Geneva Lee called X. And uh, so it's really, really exciting. It's, she has a series um, and one of the most recent version, one of the most recent installments in that series is called Command Me. And this book, X, is told from the hero Alexander's perspective. 
and it's about this uh, British royal heir to the throne and his you know, very complex and very powerful relationship with an American woman living in London. So I'd really, I'm excited for, uh, for Val, for Michelle, for all <laughs> your wonderful listeners to, to, to hear that. Um, and uh, then I'm also part of this trilogy that I think we might have mentioned earlier um, by Anna Durand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, there are three books in this series. It's called the Balahulish Trilogy, and it's set in Scotland. And the other two narrators who will do books two and three, what? And then your number one, Shane East. <laughs> I um, have a number one. No, no, I don't. Okay, few, 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 few. <laughs> Because I was feeling like uh, he's the number one. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> and I do a book, the book one in the trilogy called Lachlan in a Kilt. Um, so I'm very excited for both of those. And then recent books that came out are, exa- yeah, the Accidental Peers series by Dana Quincy, which is a really wonderful um, series. I think there are four books so far, and there might be a fifth one coming out soon. And then the really awesome Kristen Ashley Chaos Novella series, that I did with Stella Bloom. Mm-hmm. And there might be another one or two versions, uh, installments for that coming out soon as well. Um, all really, really excited. I'm just so happy with uh, with all these projects, just really top quality stuff. Yeah, no, and um, the Anna Duran one, she mentioned it in her reader group, um, that she was really excited because she was gonna have two different British actors, not just Shane and everybody's like, ooh, do tell. Mm, nice, <laughs> yeah. nice. And then when she named yours, I heard, you know, I saw, well, again, online, but I could totally hear Val and Michelle be like, hoo, hoo, hoo. Um, <laughs> I just love it. Oh, Val, Michelle, enjoy. <laughs> yeah, so we're excited for those. Well, thank you, John, for returning to this year's Audiobook Loving series. Thank you, honestly, Viviana, really. It's a real pleasure to be on here, as mm-hmm. always. And everyone, thank you for hanging out with us today. And we're hoping you've enjoyed this interview as well as the series. And until next time, happy listening. The Audiobook Lovin' Podcast has special Patreon incentives. Join today to receive early access to podcast episodes, exclusive content with our guests, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin'. Thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' series, hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. We hope you have enjoyed this episode as well as the series. We've included audio samples of our guests' work within the post for you to check out. Please make sure to visit the main page, link within the post, to learn more about the series, the authors, and the narrators. Please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to this series if you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you've enjoyed this program.